It's time to place your bets. Welcome in, everybody, to Betting Pros. It's me, Joey P, Joe Pizapia, and already it's time to look ahead to Week 7 in the NFL. Week 6 had some wacky moments, certainly some upsets, certainly some people who are not in the good graces with their respective teams as of this point, but luckily that's not the case here. I love my team. I've got Pat Fitzmaurice. I've got Matthew Friedman. I've got the crew to break it all down. Certainly last week we made some money on the early look ahead, and hopefully we could do that again with my boys today. And don't forget all of our great content going on here over at bettingpros.com. So check that out. Check out the prop bet cheat sheet. And obviously everything here we do is sponsored by BetMGM, the king of sports books. Everybody knows that. Maybe I'll put on the crown later. We'll see how the show goes. But Pat Fitzmaurice, Matthew Friedman, let's just jump in head first. Let's go right into the pool and look ahead at Thursday night football because goodness knows we need a better Thursday night football game. It can't get worse. That's what I told myself last Thursday. And I don't know if I was right or wrong. New Orleans, Arizona, that's what we have this week. Arizona is two point favorites at home. The Saints continue to scuffle. Both teams are two and four. The number is 45. If you like uh, New Orleans on the money line, it's plus 112. So, Pat Fitzmaurice, Thursday night has not been uh, great for football. <laughs> Let's just leave it at that. Uh, this game right here, is it great for a betting standpoint when you're looking ahead? It could be, and it could be great from a Twitter standpoint, getting to criticize Cliff Kingsbury all night and uh, watch the <laughs> watch the barbs flying on Twitter. So, um, you know, that's that's the great thing about Thursday night games, Joe. Even if the football is not good, Twitter is a fun place during a bad Thursday night game. So, um we could get that again this week, and I kind of like the Saints as a dog here. I mean, like Arizona has just been such an underachiever. The offense is just – it's stuck in the mud. There have been times where they get into the second half uh, and Kyler is basically drawing up plays in the dirt, and it works. Like the, the comeback victory against the Raiders, that's as good as the offense has looked all year, and it was total schoolyard football. Like the scripted stuff early on with Cliff not working – um, it'll be interesting to see how the return of DeAndre Hopkins this week changes mm -hmm. the dynamic, but they did lose uh, Hollywood Brown to what looks like it's going to be a multi-week foot injury. Uh, the Saints have been pretty scrappy. We we still don't know what is going on with them at quarterback, whether Jameis Winston is going to be back in week seven, but they've been good offensively with Andy Dalton at quarterback the last few weeks. And really, they haven't played a bad game since that week two toe stubbing against the Panthers. So um, I like this this plucky Saints team that's uh, reasonably respectable on both sides of the ball against a Cardinals team that kind of isn't respectable on either side mm -hmm. of the ball. Like, I, I just think this game is sort of mispriced. Yeah, I, I kind of feel the same way. Friedman, I know there's some moving pieces now in this game. We mentioned some of the injuries there, the return of DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, but to me, it's the money lines, the plus 112 that really piques my fancy here because I, I look at that and I say there's opportunity. I think the Saints are just a better team, a better roster, but again, still unknown a quarterback for them as well as we head into the short week game. Yeah, so I have a couple pieces on betting pros that look at um... – how money line underdogs do versus underdogs against the spread. And historically, at least like for the past 20 years or so, if uh, if you've liked a team 
uh, an underdog on the spread, it's been a little more profitable actually just to bet them on the money line. So yeah, uh, I, I think the instinct is right there. And I'm very much on your side here. Uh, you know, Fitz and I on the same side. So just kiss of death. Uh, just guaranteed we're going to lose <laughs> bet, this bet Thursday the night game. Hard. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, uh, we lost. We lost last Thursday night game. Uh, you know, with the the Bears and uh, you know, but I I do like the Saints on this side here. Uh, mm-hmm. Cliff Kingsbury is like a a zigzag type of coach where he's been historically very bad in particular situations. Bad at home. Bad as a favorite and as a home favorite, four and eleven against the spread. <laughs> like just, just you know, just dunk on him anytime he's at home. And and Vegas is like, you know what, this guy should be favored. Uh, so I I am very much on the Saints in this spot. I will say though, the line has moved to I believe one and a half. Uh, you could get it two and a half in the look ahead, and when it opened at one and a half, like that kind of is where I think it should be. But if I'm still going to be betting on Thursday night football, and lots of people want to do that because uh, it's fun, uh, yeah, <laughs> I would be betting on the Saints. That said, I feel like the real winners of Thursday night football have been everyone who hates Jeff Bezos, which that feels like a lot of people. Uh, mm-hmm. So the idea of him paying billions of dollars to have Thursday night football is funny. Uh, and then the people who haven't watched the game, shout out me. I haven't watched Thursday night football in the past two Thursdays. And I felt great about that decision. Yeah, I got to be honest who, with you. I watched people, about like a quarter and a half of both and fell asleep. And uh, I definitely was better off for the sleep. I can tell you that much. Yeah, Yeah. go ahead. People who work on Thursday nights are the real winners. They're they're being productive (laughs) and not watching these games. Uh, Kudos to them. I I will say that the uh, the crew that they have their reactions, you know, if it's Patrick and Sherman and those guys, that has been entertaining. So I mean, maybe they should just do like the Manning cast where they let these guys talk in real time and comment about the terrible football going on. Now, that's a broadcast I think everybody could get into. Give them a couple yeah. beers and see what really happens. Uh, let's get to the next Actually, game sorry, here. One second. One second. I <laughs> sure, lied. Yeah. I lied. I have this as a pick em. So I still think there's there's value at this number here. <laughs> All right. Well, try not to lie to me the rest of the show. Yeah. All right. Let's go to the next thing here. Cleveland at Baltimore. Oh, Baltimore. They are letting teams back in every single game here, and it is not going well for the Baltimore Ravens. Can they stop the bleeding against the Cleveland Browns coming off a, a butt whooping by the Patriots and their defense? The Cleveland Browns are heading into Baltimore at six and a half point underdogs. Forty six and a half is the number plus two ten. If you like the Cleveland Browns on the money line, Friedman, uh, look, Baltimore at home should always be a very strong investment. However, they have struggled at home this year. They did get right last game at home, but then they go on the road to the Giants and lay another egg. So what do you make of the Baltimore Ravens? The six and a half. Is there any way you feel comfortable with this number? Yeah, I would grab it before it gets to seven. Um, cause I, I think it's going in that direction and it was six earlier. Uh, so we are already moving in that way. And, you know, I, I'm a man of few beliefs, but one of the things I do believe in <laughs> is betting against Kevin Stefanski in division. He's two and 11 against the spread in division, just absolutely horrible against teams who know him, uh, and, uh, Oh, and four against the spread against the Ravens specifically, I don't have a lot of faith in what's happening with their uh, their offense. Uh, so, yeah, I'm going to be on the Ravens here. Pat, are you a man of any beliefs when it comes to this game? Yeah, um, I'm totally with Friedman. I was stunned when I saw that this was under the key number of seven and grabbed it immediately. Like, mm-hmm. I have this as, as Ravens seven and a half. And the Ravens are one of the teams as a better that I respect the most in uh, the NFL. And it's been really weird to see them lose some of these games the way they have and I'm I'm licking my wounds after betting on them this past week 
against the Giants. Uh, but like at home, they their home field advantage means more than some other home field advantages in the NFL, without question. But like they're going against a Cleveland Browns defense that's just completely broken. The mm-hmm. Browns gave up 440 rushing yards in week four and week five combined. Then yesterday they sort of got their running game fi- or uh, run defense fixed. They did give up three touchdown runs, but they, they generally held their own against Ramondre Stevenson and the Patriots. But they let Bailey Zappi throw for over 300 yards and average over nine. I will not have Bailey Zappi disparaged on this program. Yeah, I mean, a a third stringer, and he averaged 9.1 yards per pass attempt against the Browns, who had just gotten Greedy Williams back at cornerback. So apparently Greedy did not fix anything in the secondary. Um, This Browns defense is just terrible. Uh, You know, the the Ravens can hurt you in a lot of different ways offensively, and I think they're going to hurt the Browns badly in Baltimore next Sunday. Big time Bailey Zappi. We'll talk about him a little later in the show. Monday Night Football. Let's go. Tampa, Carolina. Carolina uh, did not circle the wagons. I was hoping they would against the Rams. It was close there for a little while, though. I know there's a lot of panic. I could feel could feel the tension in that building in the first quarter, especially after that, that interception for the touchdown. Oh, boy. That really felt like things were starting to turn. But, fortunately, Carolina kind of unraveled here. And speaking of unraveling, the Tampa Bay Bucks did not take care of business. All those injuries, Minka Fitzpatrick out, all those things, they go out there to Pittsburgh and they can't get it done. But despite all that, on the road, they're still 10-point favorites in this game in Week 7. 41 is the number. Uh, look, Pat, when you're looking here at Tampa, this is another team at 3-3 three and three that I think has really earned this 500 record. This feels like a smash. It's a double-digit game. Are we going to get the smash that we think? Oh, uh, I'm probably just laying off this one. 10 points feels about right. Don't know what to make of the Panthers. Maybe we get a Sam Darnold start next week. Like Sam is is due back pretty soon. Uh, I don't know what that would do to this number, but uh, it would certainly make for some interesting subplots. Uh, Yeah, (laughs) Tampa has been um, maybe not quite as disappointing as the Packers, but uh, they've sprung a few leaks themselves. So I I don't feel great betting them as a double digits uh, road favorites, but I can't bet the Panthers either. So I'm probably just going to walk away from this game. Panthers fans feel like uh, the kid who gets the crappy toy every time they go to McDonald's in the Happy Meal. No matter what happens, they just look in that box and like, Sam Darnold, Baker Mayfield, P.J. Walker, doesn't matter. Everything's just going bad. Uh, Matthew Friedman, what do you look at uh, in the box when you look at this game? Uh, I feel if you're going to take a side, it's Panthers or nothing. I, I feel like maybe only two teams, maybe three teams in the NFL should have the luxury of being uh, double-digit favorites. You know, like the the Bills – the Chiefs, maybe the Eagles, but definitely not the Bucks. even if they're going against the worst team in the league. Yeah. And I do think the Panthers are the worst team in the league. They're still divisional opponents, so, you know, that adds a layer here. And, I mean, 10 points is just so much. The thing is, we don't even know who the quarterback is going to be for the Panthers, and I don't know if that even impacts the line at all with mm. how bad all of these guys have played. But I have this at 8.5. That said, like, I really don't want to bet on – on the Panthers. So like, I'm not going to take it. I did bet the under under 41. I think that's That's where there's value here because the, the Buccaneers, they are not fully functional, even close to it on offense. They do have a very good defense. And again, for the Panthers, we don't know who their quarterback is going to be, but whoever it is, he's not going to be helping them score a lot of points. So 41 feels like a pretty high number for two teams that are really under peak capacity right now. 
Yeah, I think that's a really good piece of advice right now is to look at the under. Another good piece of advice here is to go have some more fun over at Sleeper because they've got that over-under game that's going on right now, and you can invite your friends and play against them, and chances are you're playing some leagues on Sleeper already. So if you haven't already, check out the over-under game right now. Uh, you could choose two or more players from any sport you like, and you could go like rushing yards in a football game. You can go points in a basketball game. You can do baseball stuff too. And some, there's all kinds of things you could do. Then you choose the amount of money you want to enter in the contest. And if you pick correctly, you can win anywhere from two to 20 times your money. And it's fun because you can go get involved with your friends and send them contests and go ahead and build all that together. But you can only do it over at sleeper.app slash betting pros. Again, that's sleeper.app slash betting pros and use that promo code betting pros when you sign up because when you do you'll get the instant deposit match up to 100 dollars. again you can download the sleeper app it's everywhere it's easy to get and go to sleeper.app slash betting pros use a promo code betting pros when you sign up today and go play some over under have some fun let's see if we can have some fun with this next game on the slate here because it's the atlanta falcons the the david to the goliath out there <laughs> some of these teams of the nfl who'd have thought the atlanta falcons they are still six point underdogs though going into cincinnati cincinnati's starting to right the ship a little bit it feels like in recent weeks after a really rough start to the season they are six point favorites at home the number is 45 and a half if you like the falcons to upset it's plus 220 on the money line now Matthew Friedman, when you're looking at this one, does this feel like maybe this is actually not a big enough number considering how the Bengals have started to turn things around? Or do you think the Falcons have earned the respect here of the six? I'm actually impressed with the Falcons. And there is uh, still a six and a half out there at FanDuel. I'm a little bit angry at myself because, you know, Fitz and I, we project these games before uh before sunday and so we we already have our preliminary projections and you know we can compare them to the look ahead line and the look ahead on this was seven and i had this at 5.75 and like you know one 1.25 points difference that's not a massive difference but when the number is on seven that's pretty significant and i wish i would have just bet it then because i still have it at 5.75 it you know the early line was six and a half now it's six at most books I should have just bet it earlier, but given that it's at six now and I have it at 5.75, I really don't see any value. Pat, how about you? Do you see any value or are you kind of where Friedman is? No, I'm kind of where Friedman is. And Friedman mentioned that we do the uh, early projections like before the the previous week's games are played. And I this week I had a few games where I was pretty much right with uh, where the numbers wound up being. And, and that was one of the cases here. I had... Uh, the Bengals is a six and a half point favorite and a 45 point total. So I'm with Friedman. Like if I had seen it, I, I didn't even uh, notice that seven point number. Like if I could have gotten it on that key number, I would have loved the Falcons here. But at six and a half, it just feels right. Um, the, the Bengals, I think their fans would tell you they have played down to the level of their opponents a little bit this season. So it worries me to have them covering kind of a large number against a team that's been as plucky as the Falcons have been this season. Mm. Um, I'm, I'm definitely not taking Cincinnati. If you pressed me on this one, I'd play Atlanta, but I'm probably not going to bet this. It, it stays at six and a half or goes to six, as Friedman mentioned it has. Cooper Rush has taken the Dallas Cowboys about as far as he could probably, and it was a heck of an effort, but they came up short against the Eagles. It looks like Dak Prescott is targeting a return this week in week seven. Cowboys stand at four and two. They are at home. Seven point favorites against the Lions. We're coming off a bye. Looking their wounds were getting shut out. They should be getting healthy too. 
Amon Ross St. Brown, another healthy week ahead of him. Hopefully DeAndre Swift as well. So this number is 47 and a half. It's plus 240 in the money line if you like the Lions. But Pat, uh, I imagine this is a, a good opportunity here for Dak Prescott against a pretty weak defense to go ahead and put some numbers on the board. Is that 47 and a half and over in your opinion? And should you bet it now? No, I actually like the under here, Joe. And I like that more than either side of this game. Um, I just think Dak maybe having a little bit of rust and maybe the Lions uh, fix some things on defense during their bye week. I don't know about that. But um, and, and then, you know, this Detroit offense going up against Dallas, the Dallas defense has been so impressive this season. Um, you know, like I know the Eagles move the ball fairly effectively for much of the Sunday night game this past week, but uh, they were not exactly going up and down the field on Dallas. Like this is a, one of the better. That's a very good unit. We yeah, all agree. For yeah. sure. So uh, I think it's going to, I'm, I'm not liking the over here very much at all. And I'm inclined to go the other way on it. All right. How about you, Freeman? You're looking at this. Do you think it is all doom and gloom and low scoring here, as Pat's kind of alluding to? Or do you think maybe the defense creates some turnovers and Detroit doesn't have to do all that much to help this over go? Uh, I'm on Detroit in this spot. And so that, you know, leans a little bit more towards the under, uh, you know, because I could see a game where Dak Prescott does return, but is a little bit rusty. I'm expecting him to return this week. And that was already baked into, I believe, baked into the line ahead of time. And the look ahead, this was minus seven. And I thought, okay, like that means Dak is coming back. And the early line released was seven. It hasn't moved at all, even though there's enthusiasm that Dak is coming back. So, I think that was all very much baked into the line here. And that feels pretty aggressive for a quarterback who has a thumb injury. Um, His offensive line still isn't all that great. Uh, The offense, I know like they've, um, they've been playing in such a way to kind of shield Cooper rush, but I still don't know if that offense is going to be as functional as people think it might be when Dak returns. So Seven feels like a lot to me. I have this at five and a half and, and maybe I'm too low uh, on, on the Cowboys. Like I, the thing is I still have them power rated as the number four team right now. So I feel like I'm giving them quite a bit of respect, but uh, I don't know, maybe I'm overweighting the buy, but Detroit coming off of the buy, I think they should be very close to fully healthy with Amon Ross St. Brown coming back. DeAndre Swift coming back. They've had two weeks to plan for this game. Uh, I don't know. I, I think Detroit is undervalued in this spot. All right. Let's see if we can find any value with the New York football giants who are five and one. No, you heard me right. It's five and one New York football giants against the Jacksonville Jaguars who are two and four. The Jacksonville Jaguars, though, still at home. Three point favorites, regardless of record of these two teams. Forty two and a half is the number. If you like the Giants to continue their winning ways under Brian Dable. Well, you can get it at plus one eighteen. I'm Matthew Friedman. When you're taking a look at this one, I know it's hard to believe in the Giants, but do you believe in the Giants? Let me see. I, I want to make sure I actually because I like I wrote them up like I'm on this game. I'm just not sure if I actually entered this bet into our tracker, but I gotcha. bet it. I'm on the Giants in this spot, like 100 percent right. on the Giants. Daniel Jones is 12 and four is a road underdog. I've actually been like I haven't been impressed with what they are doing on a play-to-play basis, but I'm impressed with the way that they like keep games close and then pull it out at the end. And mm-hmm. the Jags, like 
they're fine. They're not as good as they looked the first couple of games, but I don't think that they should be favored in this spot. Like I think the the Giants are the better team and I don't think the Jags have as much of a home field advantage as we might think based on the three points that they're getting. I'll take it a step further. I think the Jags are the more talented roster on paper, yeah. but I don't think they play better football than the New York Giants are playing right now in terms of effort level at times on both sides of the football. I think that's kind of where I, I kind of where Friedman is, where I'm leaning towards the Giants here. Pat, are you also on that train where you're looking at what the Giants have done so far? It doesn't make sense necessarily when you see the players that they're running out there, but the the level of, um, I would say, effort that they're giving is there and they're keeping these games close. And when you win these close games in the NFL, it tends to become something that carries over with confidence and you start to believe that you're going to win all these close games. And that's a huge mental advantage. Yeah, this defense is actually pretty good. And I think Mm -hmm. it's one of the more underrated defenses in the league. And uh, when, you know, they get Aziz Ojulari back, they're going to have him and Leonard Williams and Kayvon Thibodeau up front. And that is pretty nasty. Uh, That's going to be a lot to contend with. And you mentioned it, Joe, like uh, Daniel Jones, like he, well, he's not giving the ball away. I mean, he used to be reliable, right? He used to be reliable for like one or two, just mind numbingly stupid turnovers (laughs) in the past. And he has not done that. And that has helped the Giants stay in these close games. So, um, yeah, like I'm not rushing to to bat this one, but if I were going to bet it, it would definitely be the Giants. Here's one thing to to add into this, though. Uh, I slash we might be wrong on this. Just based on the early line movement, um, you know, it was two, two and a half. It has moved to three at some book. So it is moving against us towards the Jaguars, which I just I think that's wrong. But I don't know. Maybe it's people just being skeptical of the Giants. I think they're being skeptical of the Giants because I think you look at the roster and you look at the comparison and you see the same thing I just laid out, which is there's more talent. There's more offensive explosiveness besides Saquon Barkley. It's hard to get excited about the Giants offense. Let's be honest. But as long as Barkley run the ball and play defense, right? At the end of the day, that simple formula of football still works in the regular season. It doesn't work necessarily in the playoffs nowadays in this version of the NFL, but regular season, that stuff travels. You know, especially that that travels defense and run the football. Let's go to the Colts. Three, two, one. That's the record for the Colts. They are two and a half point underdogs heading to Tennessee for another rematch. Last time these two teams met, Tennessee got the better of Indianapolis in their building. Now we're going to see if they can repay the favor. Forty two and a half is the number. If you like the Colts on the money line, plus one twenty two. So Matt Ryan and the Colts kind of pulled themselves up by the haunches with Deion Jackson. No Jonathan Taylor. They got a W against Jacksonville. Does that momentum carry over here at all for you, Pat Fitzmorris, in this game against the Tennessee Titans? Oh, man, I feel like you should just skip me, Joe. Like, I, I cannot get on the right side of the Colts this year. Like, I have no read on what's going Every on. Every year, I, everybody has that one team. I can see yep. that the Colts being that for a lot of people. Yeah, I bet I bet the Jaguars hard against them yesterday and, and you know, got it handed to me. I, I figured they'd really struggle without uh, Jonathan Taylor, without Naheem Hines, and more importantly, without uh, Shaq Leonard. Uh, and um, who else were they missing on defense? There was some other key. Oh, Quiddy Pay. Quiddy Pay, yeah. Yeah, Quiddy Pay was so, too, yeah. Man, I just uh, like I thought they would have a really hard time yesterday and uh, they were scrappy like the the passing game has not worked for them the the pass blocking has been terrible the offensive line's been like shockingly bad yeah and uh 
you know, they they somehow managed to run like what 74 offensive plays yesterday and keep the ball in their hands pretty much the entire game. It was a really weird game script. I just like nothing the Colts does is uh kind of the way I think it's going to be this year. Like they've just sort of surprised me at every turn, so I just like I don't want to touch any game involving Indianapolis. All right, so Freeman, should we go full George Costanza here and just go against every good instinct we have? <laughs> And whatever we think the Colts will be doing, we should just bet the opposite here. Yeah, I don't I don't know with the Colts. I mean, I have this at 1.75. So in theory, there's a little bit of value, but not really like the difference between that and the two, two and a half we see in the market is negligible. But I do think there's value on the under. You know, we've got two divisional opponents. The number's 42, 42 and a half. We've got two divisional opponents who like to run the ball. Uh, and I don't know. I just, neither offense is very good. So mm-hmm. this just, neither defense is all that great either, but I, I think with the divisional opponents who know each other and have a run heavy uh, offensive focus, 42 is just a little too high. Now, if you watched or listened to last week's show, uh, you know that uh, I was picking on the Green Bay Packers a bit and talking about the New York Jets and that number and all that stuff. Now they went out and won outright, but if ever there was a game here for the Packers to maybe get this uh, this air attack of theirs right, it's the Washington secondary. You would imagine this is an opportunity for Aaron Rodgers to start throwing the football comfortably again, especially we have an injury at the quarterback position here with Washington where Wentz is going to be out for a while, going to get Heineke back in here. So the two and four Washington commanders are going to be taking on the Green Bay Packers at home here in Washington. They are five-point underdogs, the Packers five-point favorites. 41 and a half is the over-under. If you like Washington for another upset, it's plus 185. But Friedman, this is a week-to-week league, right? And sometimes we can't get too invested in what was going on the last week. Yes, it was ugly. Yes, it's not what you expected if you had the Packers and you thought that they were going to blow out the Jets and handle their business. They did not. But... I almost feel like this five is too small of a number against a team like Washington. Do you agree? No, um, I, I significantly downgraded. Finally, it was about time. Significantly downgraded the, the Packers. to do it to you. <laughs> yeah, but, and the thing is, I had actually, even with the, the preliminary projections that we had going into week six, I still thought this week seven number was too high. So, and that was when mm-hmm. it was seven. So I actually have Washington plus seven in this spot. Uh, but I still think there's value at five and a half is a number that you see floating around at, at BetMGM's, uh, also at FanDuel. Uh, I think there's value at that number. I have this at 4.25. So, uh, you know, a little bit of value there. If I had to take a side here, it would be Washington. All right, Pat Fitzmorris, I'm going to put you on the spot here with the Green Bay Packers. But I don't know, this feels like a good opportunity for a get right game and, and to kind of right the ship here for the Packers, because if this isn't then the Packers are really headed in a bad direction. The Washington Commanders are not a good football team. You're down to the second-string quarterback. That that defense has not played well, especially in the secondary. So what do you think about this number here and this game? Yeah, I mean, uh, the instinct, I, I almost want to spite bet on Washington, but uh, I'm not going to do that, Joe, because I, I, I hear what you're saying, and it wouldn't shock me if the Packers kind of pulled – things together and blew out Washington, which yeah. as you mentioned, major problems on defense, major problems on offense, a backup quarterback. They should never have covered that Thursday night game against the bears. I mean, the bears just yeah, throwing an interception at the the mm-hmm. Washington five yard line, uh, failing to punch one in on, on fourth and goal at like the one foot line because they, the bears decided to run their 210 pound backup running back 
who just had like a 60-yard run and was gassed rather than David Montgomery. Uh, just like so many ways, the Bears blew that game. And uh, like the, the Washington franchise right now, just from the top down, not in a good way. Uh, mm. major problems and but you know the Packers like they can't beat anyone downfield anymore which is unusual which means teams are playing safeties up and shutting down the running game uh, the defense has holes they've got good cornerbacks but they play zone like 90% of the time which boggles my mind um, uh, like I'm probably just gonna not touch this game as I do with a lot of Packers games because as a Packers fan I do not like betting on my team, uh, you know, sometimes I'll bet against them, but I, I can't do that with Washington here. So I'm just going to walk away and, and let Friedman right. be wrong on the Packers yet again. Yeah, I'm going to bet it for you. <laughs> I'm done right now. And and again, I'm somebody who's taken the shots at the Packers these last few weeks and, and mostly have been right there. But I think this is a game where you just it's just outclass. And I think this is when you tell those other the young wide receiver group that you got. Look. You go out there and you go make some plays and you got to have some confidence. You got to have the ability to make some mistakes here and not worry about it because I think you can afford to do that against Washington. I feel like that margin of error hasn't been there for them, but it will be there in this game. Speaking of the New York Jets, by the way, who went in and beat the Packers in Green Bay. I still can't believe that really happened. Four and two are the New York Jets. They are three-point underdogs, though, against the Denver Broncos. We'll see what the Broncos have in store for us tonight. Everyone knows I am done with the Broncos. I'm over it. I don't care. I need to see it anymore. 42 and a half is the number here. If you like the Jets, and maybe I do, at plus 138, heading to Denver now. Denver, obviously a different environment. <clears throat> you always have to deal with the altitude there. The Jets are a team that offensively you're not going to really push the ball downfield. It's going to be more of a ground and pound kind of attack. The defense has played well. Can they take that formula, Paffitz Morris, and can they take it to Denver, and can they take it to the Broncos here in this line early look ahead? I think they can with the way the Denver offense has struggled so far. And uh, even though the Jets did very little through the air against Green Bay this past week, it didn't matter because they've got Brees Hall, who I think has had more total yards from scrimmage uh, through the first six weeks of the season than any Jets since Curtis Martin. Uh, he, like he's been really impressive. He's been kind of a one man offense for them the last couple of weeks. And uh, a one man offense might be enough against this Denver offense, which has really struggled. So um, I, I think the line's about right. I think the total is about right. I, I don't see really any value on either side here, but the Jets could absolutely win this game. If I were going to put a bet down, it would probably be Jets on the money line. I love it. Jets on the money line. Let's go. Friedman, are you going to join hands with us or you see this game differently? No, I'm I'm on the Broncos uh, and I, I feel dirty about it. But in, <laughs> so we're doing this before Monday Night Football. So, you know, maybe anything we see in this game could make me hate my bet, um, you know, come come tomorrow morning. <laughs> but I have this at uh, Denver minus five. And this is maybe more of a sort of like faith based bet. Uh, and, you know, sort of a little in what? Faith in what at this point? Because it can't be the coaching. It can't be the quarterback play. Yes. Um, all of that is fair. Faith in a couple of things. The defense is pretty good. I think yeah. that the Jets offense is still a little bit fraudulent. Like, I still haven't seen Zach Wilson go out and really do it against a good defense. And I do think the Broncos have a good defense. Uh, so, you know, the home field advantage uh, at Mile High Stadium is pretty significant. I don't know. I'm just not buying the Jets yet. 
maybe maybe after they go in to uh to mile high and get the win outright then i'll have more respect for them i just i kind of don't have a lot of respect for them right now did you think the green bay packers defense was good coming into the year because certainly on paper yes i i did think it was good it's not that's it's not good it hasn't played well but i thought they were a good talented unit yes but can i just say something yeah, sure. Oh, I was just going to say, I mean, the Jets passing game is 100% fraudulent, but they still have an offense now because of Brees Hall and like Michael right. Carter is a reasonably good backup. Like they've thrown one touchdown pass Zach Wilson has in the three games since he's been back and they've won all those games. Like it's it's that crazy. is not sustainable. I know it's not. But like Brees Hall is sustainable. Like he Reese is Hall's generating enough offense for you them. You know what's to... sustainable? Sauce Gardner sustainable. And I don't think we talk enough about yep. Quentin Williams in the front, what he's been doing. Oh. And we're not, I mean, we're really not. I mean, the IDP show, we talk about it, which by the way, we have the IDP show over on the fantasy pro side for those of you who play. Uh, but we were talking about how, you know, difference maker he is. And, and when you have a, a shutdown corner, how that allows you to get those cover sacks. It allows you to do a lot more things. And if you could take away Cortland Sutton in this game from the Denver Broncos, that's been the biggest bugaboo for Russell Wilson is finding other receivers. He has this tunnel vision that I've seen all year for one wide receiver on one play. His head does not swivel. His head does not move. And it was in full effect against the last week in the Thursday night football game. When you saw KJ Hamler completely wide open, he never even looked another way. All he saw was Sutton and all Sutton saw was Stefan Gilmore. And I just don't know when that changes. And until it does, I'm concerned about the Broncos. Uh, I'm concerned also about the Las Vegas Raiders at one and four. They are seven point favorites here against the Houston Texans who got their first win and took a week off. They said, go take a week off, everybody. Great job. We'll come back in two weeks and we'll play again. Uh, 44 is the number plus 245 on the money line for the Houston Texans plus uh, minus 300 for the Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, So the Raiders are heavy favorites here, Friedman, but that just kind of feels talk about dirty, talk about uncomfortable. The Raiders being heavy favorites, period, just full stop. That worries me. Does this line worry you? I have it at seven and a half, actually. So given that it's sitting at seven, I maybe should be betting it. Um, But as you say, like, it's the Raiders. I don't have I don't have a lot of, of optimism with them. And the thing is, like, in theory, the advantage that they should have coming off of the bye is negated because they're going against another team coming off of the bye. So it's it's like it's not like what's the point of the bye week? It's just that they have no edge there having having uh rested for 14 days. So I don't know. Seven and a half, it feels like a little bit too much, and I don't have enough faith in it to bet it. All right. How about you, Pat? When you look at this game with the Raiders, seven is a pretty big number for a team that's one and four and played the way they have, especially on defense. It is. But this is actually the best I've felt about a Raiders defense in a long time. Like, I think this is a a fairly respectable, if not like good defense. Uh, It's at least respectable. And they are versatile on offense. Like they have really gotten that running game going with Josh Jacobs lately. And certainly sure. Devonte Adams has added a new dimension to their passing attack. Um, it, it's weird. Like Devonte's catch rates and uh, yards per target way down, but man, he gives them a big play dimension that they didn't necessarily have before. So um like, I think the number's right, Joe. Seven, I, I I think that's exactly right. That's what I had projected it at. I, I think there might be a little bit of value in the under here, though, uh, because I do have respect for this Raiders mm. defense, and I still think, you know, the Houston offense is uh, a little undermanned. Like, Damian Pierce has been good for them, but still not much of a passing game there. So um, I, I think the total is maybe a point too high. 
Yeah, I feel like the Raiders are a team, Pat, that are going to get better as the season goes on. It's just how bad are they in the beginning in terms of record where it doesn't matter. Like, yeah. you got to take care of business. Like, you got to beat Houston at home here. This, Friedman, this is a bit, very simple game here. You got to take take care of your business. Friedman got me on the Raiders uh, under for their season-long win total. And I'm glad they've gotten off to this uh slow start because like this is a team that's maybe a little better than I thought they were going to be. Friedman yeah. pointed out some scheduling obstacles they have, how they are actually, uh, you know, set up in, in kind of a bad way. Maybe the NFL league office still hates Al Davis and, and doesn't want to give the Raiders any favors <laughs> with scheduling, but Friedman pointed out that no. uh, they have kind of a treacherous path this season. So, um, you know, I'm glad that they've lost some close ones. Otherwise, that bet might not be looking that great right now. I think mm -hmm. it was what was it, Friedman? Eight and a, Eight half? And a half. Yeah. So um I don't know. They're they're better than I thought they were going to be. Yeah, they're gonna be dangerous yeah. though if they ever start to put it all together here. And there's a lot of new pieces. You know, new, you know, Devontae Adams, who had coached. There's some newness there still that still has got to come together. Uh, the Los Angeles Chargers, three and two, home favorites by seven over the Seattle Seahawks, who are 500 team right now, three and three. The number for this one is 52. Seattle on the money line is plus 250. Now, Pat, if you like this game for offense, are you over this 52? Probably not going to play the total here, Joe. Okay. If, if I'm more inclined <laughs> to play Seattle, which. You know, the, they've been so unexpectedly proficient on offense this season. And then we actually saw the defense show up in week six against the Cardinals. Um, and, and like, I don't know what to make of the Chargers. I, I don't think they're as good after that loss to the Chiefs on Thursday night in what week two. Like, I thought mm -hmm. the Chargers looked like a Super Bowl caliber team in that game. Like they, uh, you know, kind of had firepower on both ends uh ever since that game things have sort of crumbled for them a little bit and i i just don't have the same feeling i had about them injuries are part of it but um i don't know i'm i think a, a touchdown might be too much in this one i kind of like the points with seattle are you the same mind friedman yeah, I've already bet Seattle plus seven. I will say, though, I have this projected at 54.7, which wow. just feels ridiculous. And I hate that number. And given the under environment that we've seen, like mm -hmm. there's no way I feel like I can bet it. But that is that is the projection. I mean, Seattle has allowed a ton of points minus whatever we saw yesterday with the Cardinals, but they've allowed a ton of points this year. The Chargers have been more of an over team as well. Um, so I, I do have this projected with significant value to the over, but I just kind of want to go in and manually change that projection because I'm not buying it. All right, let's see if we're buying the San Francisco 49ers. They are three-point home underdogs to the Kansas City Chiefs. The Chiefs come to town after dropping that tough game to the Bills where they had it and lost it at the end. 47 is the number on this one. If you like San Francisco to win, it's plus 135 on the money line. How do you see this one in early look at? Is there any value at all, in your opinion, Freeman, on the Chiefs or San Francisco? Yeah, I have this projected at two and a half and the, you know, in the look ahead, it was one and a half in the early line, it was two and a half and now it's moved to three. So, you know, in theory, there's some value on San Francisco here as an underdog, like Jimmy Garoppolo as an underdog historically has done well, but it is such an injured San Francisco team right now on both sides of the ball that I don't think you can take them. And if I had to take any side on here, it would be Kansas City. All right. How about you, uh, Patrick Morris? Do you see it the same way? 
No, I'm not taking Kansas City anymore. They've hurt me too badly the last two weeks. So uh, I'm not going to be on them. And I had this one projected as Kansas City is a one-point favorite. So I do see some value with the 49ers. But as Friedman said, they've got some injury issues. So um, I'm not going to bet the early line until we get a little more clarity on some of those injuries. Um, Yeah, and the total seems about right. Um, But, man, I, I... don't love Kansas City going on the road and uh, you know <laughs> covering the the three two being right on that key number. Like if this moves down, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know. May, Fitz, may, yeah. Do you do you like San Francisco enough to where you think if it hits three and a half, you're betting it? I would bet them at three and a half. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if this. I I'm skeptical this would hit three and a half, but I I mean if you like San Francisco at one, I think go ahead and take them at three. You know, like their injury issues aren't going to get worse. Like that's already baked into the line and maybe they get better. Like maybe they get Bosa back this week. Maybe they start mm-hmm. to get some of their players back. So that might be something to to factor into it. Like if you like San Francisco, threes, I mean, as you say, like they're at home, they're a good team. I don't know if it's going to get better than three. Yeah, like I don't hold that loss to Atlanta against them that much. I mean, it's a West Coast team going out east, playing an early start game. We we often see those teams kind of stumble like that. So I'm not, I don't know. I feel like that is being held against the 49ers with this line. And I, like I, I don't consider that like a horrendous loss for the 49ers. I'm sure their fans do, but, you know, we see slip ups like that all the time. I think also part of what's going into this line is some maybe like kind of newfound respect for the chiefs. Cause like I, people were really on the bills entering that game and the chiefs were right there. Like the chiefs, I, I wouldn't say that like they lost the game versus the bills winning it, but like they showed like, at least in my opinion, like they showed I, that I was like impressed with both of those teams coming yeah. out of that win. That I was well, like, the bills a, also had some more opportunities. Like, you know, Isaiah yeah. McKenzie had a couple key drops in that game. And I think, I think the bills could have, the bills could have, been the bills that people were anticipating there were a couple moments where they didn't take advantage of those opportunities but the chiefs to their credit didn't lay down they kept fighting they were in this game they had the lead in the last couple minutes of the game like everything that you expected from the chiefs uh, in their peak was there but i think what showed is that that big playmaking ability of tyree kill not being that offense it hurts this offense it hurts their ability in those games against teams like buffalo that, that was lacking for sure yeah. i mean juju had a couple moments but you know maybe if somebody makes the right tackle we don't have those moments for juju uh let's get to a game that i think is terribly difficult i gotta tell you i think this is the most difficult one on the slate the miami dolphins theoretically getting two a back we think they are seven point favorites against the pittsburgh steelers who just won at home against tom brady and the buccaneers 44 and a half is a number the steelers are plus 240 on the money line friedman i don't know what to do with this game what do you make of this one I have Miami as a 7.75 favorite. So, you know, given that this is at seven, there's, you know, a little bit of value there being able to to get it on the key number. Uh, And I have bet it at seven. Uh, I did bet it on the look ahead because I I assumed that the two would be coming back. Um, I don't know if there's much of a difference between Kenny Pickett and Mitchell Trubisky in terms of like the quarterback situation for the Steelers, to be honest. So mm-hmm. I don't know if that factors too much into the number, but uh, I do think that this should be above seven. All right, Pat, do you see it the same way? Uh, not at all. I, I kind of see it the other way that um, like I've got this at, at Miami by five. Um, 
have a little more respect for Pittsburgh and, and think, uh, well, there's some ambiguity at quarterback. Like, we don't know if uh, Kenny Pickett is going to be able to play next week. But, like, I, I think this offense is – it's got more teeth than maybe it had at the beginning of the season. And, uh, you know, part of that is is renewed life in the passing game. And we saw Chase Claypool kind of spring to life last week. It, three very good wide receivers. Like, I think they're capable of scoring – with Miami and uh, Miami's pass defense is, is pretty terrible, quite frankly. So, um, yeah, like, I don't know. I, I have too much respect, I think, for Mike Tomlin in Pittsburgh. And maybe that's it. Too much respect for a team that hasn't necessarily always earned it this year. But this just feels like too big a number to me. All right. Last one on the slate. The Chicago Bears are two and four head to New England. New England is seven and a half point favorites at home. We still have quarterback uncertainty in this game as well a lot of games where you don't know exactly who is going to be under center for those teams but regardless New England seems to be playing very good defense these last few weeks great game against the Cleveland Browns a very good performance in Green Bay a few weeks ago and a shutout against the Lions in between 39 and a half is the over under for this one Pat uh, what do you think of this number seven and a half it's a big number for New England not a prolific theoretical offense but from a defensive standpoint and the lack of offense on the Chicago side do you think this is a comfortable number yeah you said it Joe it does seem like a big number especially for a game with what a 39 point total so <laughs> uh you know like one I hate bad is what they're telling you one side right <laughs> right and it might be that um the Chicago offense has certainly struggled the weird thing is Joe like I I like New England much less at this number if Mac Jones comes back like, I think it, if Mac Jones comes back at seven and a half, I might put a little something on the Bears. Uh, if it's Bailey Zappi again, I think I'll probably just walk away because this line seems right. But uh, I'm I'm kind of anticipating Mac Jones comes back this week. And, uh, like, I don't know. I, I think if Mac Jones does come back, there's going to be some rust. I think we're going to see yet another solo primetime ugly Monday or uh, Bears game. Like, can we get the Bears off of primetime, please? Like, this is their yeah, third primetime game already. That. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Like, what I know I know you want to do it early in the season before their record is trash and, and you know, no one wants to see them in week <laughs> right. 12 or whatever. But, I mean, for the love of God, like, they're, they're losing viewers here. This is bad. Get the Bears off of primetime. All right. How about you here, Friedman? What do you see in this contest? I have it at 6.75. So, in theory, you know, under the seven, uh, given that you're, you're having the hook here, like there's value there, but I just, I don't trust it. I am uh, factoring in Mac Jones uh, playing uh, in this number. Um, I don't know. I, I think it's bears or nothing for me and it's probably nothing. Bears or nothing. All right, Friedman, let's stick with you. Give me your favorite three look ahead week seven wagers that you want to lock in now before the lines start moving. Uh, okay. Uh, if, if, <laughs> well, don't if get only too excited I had... about it, please. I mean, you know, gee, <laughs> it's it's very weird because I I felt like I had a good read on things last week. I had had a couple of kind of like mediocre, like break even weeks, and then last week was good. I had a seven and three week, and uh, this week I just don't feel as good about it as I did last week. But I, uh, you know, I still like Lions uh, at uh, plus seven on the road in Dallas. I do like the Lions there. I still like the Ravens. Uh, I, here's the thing. I hate, I kind of hate being like the, uh, the square, like, Oh, I like the home favorite. 
you know, with like the Ravens here with a large number, but I still like the Ravens at minus six as home favorites going against a, a Browns team that I think is, is floundering and hasn't had any record of success within division. So I like that. And then one more here. I will, I will say the under in Tampa Bay, Carolina under 41. Uh, I think that is a, that is a bet that I probably like the most out of all of the totals because I just don't see either of these teams really putting up a lot of points. Pat Fitzmorris, what tickles your fancy here in the early look ahead for week seven? Yeah, so I'm very much with Friedman on the Ravens here, especially coming off the bad loss. Like the, the Browns defense has just been absolute trash. Um, I, and I'm kind of surprised this line is what it is. So I'm going to take the Ravens. That's a, a confident four-star play for me this week. Uh which is the kiss of death, of course. <laughs> you know, I'm going to join the Twitter mob with their torches and pitchforks on Thursday nights, and I'm going to take a pitchfork, and I'm going to bet the Saints getting points against an Arizona team that should not be favored against, you know, almost anyone, much less a, a fairly respectable Saints team. So I'll take the Saints there. And, man, I'm going to take this Pittsburgh game. Uh, I'm going to have to take a second look. If Friedman is is that different from it i certainly respect friedman's acumen on these things and if we're like two and a half what 2.75 points apart i'm gonna have to take a closer look but as of now i i kind of like pittsburgh as a road dog in miami all right we'll all re-examine our acumens throughout the week and we'll see how lines move and of course stay up to date with everything over at bettingpros.com for all of the latest in terms of the news and notes of what's going on in the betting world we have college football as well make sure you subscribe to our youtube channel as well betting pros is on the youtube if you don't know click that little bell for notifications when you sign up make sure you do that and don't forget to go out there and play that over under game that's available on sleeper right now that's uh, again, can be found at sleeper.app slash betting pros and use that promo code betting pros when you sign up to get that $100 deposit match. And that'll do it for us. But the story of the game goes on for Pat and Matt. I'm Joey P. We'll see you next time, kids. <laughs>